0: The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. All right, cool. Not going to work out today, but they will come in handy later. But it's good to see you guys. I'm grateful to be here. I'm always uh, so thankful for the opportunity to be able to share what God's been showing me through his word and through my time and prayer. So thank you, Pastor Andy, and thank you all for being here. Now, I'm always excited when I have the opportunity to talk, but this morning, I'm just even more fired up than even before And even with what we were doing during worship and the words that Jen was sharing and Carrie was sharing and the songs we were singing, there's just something really unique and and cohesive and consistent that God's doing here this morning. So I'm extremely fired up. We're going to get into Acts uh, chapter 1, verses 4 through 14, and we're going to look at what it means to wait for it. Now, we've all heard those sayings, you know, I can hardly wait, and I just can't wait. Now, while those are cute sayings, the reality is, is that it's usually never fun to have to wait for something, right? We have red lights that we have to wait for. We have uh, checks in the bank that we're waiting to clear. You know, if you're a student, you're waiting for school to end so summer can start, right? And if you're a parent, you're waiting for school to start so summer can end. And we have wives waiting for their husbands to finish the projects they started three months ago, which I know nothing about. There's so many things that we have to wait for constantly. But check out what Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says about waiting for God to move in our lives. It says, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's something miraculous that happens when we wait for God to do something in us and through us and around us. And today we're going to get into God's word. We're going to get into Acts 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 4 through 14 to see what happens when we wait for it. To see what God does with the different pain in our life and the different trauma and the hard things that we're currently experiencing to see what God wants to do with our expectations and our misconceptions of God and of of being here. So the first verse we're going to look at, we're going to get into is Acts 1, which says, On one occasion, while he, that being Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Now, when he's telling them to wait in Jerusalem, Jerusalem was a place of immense pain and threat of more pain for these guys. Just days before, they watched Jesus get tortured and crucified in Jerusalem. And at the moment, at that current time, there were Roman authorities and religious authorities that were out to get them to try to shut down what Jesus was doing and so Isaiah, or sorry, so J- Jerusalem was a place of great pain, immense pain, and threat of more. And Jesus is telling them to do not leave. Everything inside of them was screaming to get the heck out of Jerusalem, because there's so much threat and so much pain there. And in my own life, I know a lot about wanting to escape to escape the pain of life, to escape my own Jerusalem. A lot of you know this, but, you know, I grew up without a dad and grew up with a lot of abuse and and eventual abandonment, and all the stuff that I experienced growing up and throughout my life left gaping holes inside of my confidence and my self-identity. I remember as a little boy, I'd have this dream where my sister and I would steal this truck to escape and to drive away, and as we're driving away, the steering wheel comes off, and the truck starts to go off into the side of the road. There was just so much trauma, so much abuse, so much terror and fear that was happening, and I wanted nothing more than to escape and to run away. And, and, and even today, there's things that I struggle with, things that come up on a daily basis where I want to escape, and I run to run away. And I imagine it's the same for you as well. Like Jen was saying, and I wrote it down here, that if you're here on earth, the reality is, is that Things have happened in the past, and things are happening right now that are painful, that you want to run away from. Those are your Jerusalem places where you don't want to have anything to do with it. And Jesus is aware of this, and he's looking at these places, he's looking at this, and he's telling us to not run away. Do not run away, but wait for it. Don't try to escape. Don't go back to the old habits and the old patterns of coping with pain. Don't go back to the old ways of thinking. These these guys that he's talking to, they they wanted nothing more than to get out of Jerusalem and go back to the familiarity of of Galilee and go back to what they knew and to go back to the old ways of doing life because they wanted to escape this pain. And so with your own Jerusalem, with the pain that you've experienced, with the struggles that you have on a daily basis, Do not leave. Don't escape, but wait for it. Wait to see what God is going to do. When Jesus says wait for it, he's saying wait to see how I'm going to bring healing to the most painful parts of your life. Wait to see how my forgiveness is going to take away your sin. Wait to see how I'm going to redeem the most shameful the most embarrassing parts of your life and redeem them for something that will benefit other people, including yourself. Wait to see as he takes your scars and turns them into stars that reflect his glory, that shimmer for his glory. Just wait for it. One of the hardest parts of waiting is our own misconceptions and expectations of who God is and why he does what he does and the way that he does it and even some of our own experiences with other people and with with relationships. We have these expectations of what things should look like and how they're going to go. and These expectations are often based on misconceptions that we either learn from bad teaching, from painful experiences, from tradition or superstitions of the world. And whatever the misconception that you have, Jesus is telling you to not run away, to not try to escape it, to not try to get out of, of the confusing thing that's going on in your life, but to stay and to wait. And whatever the cause of these different misconceptions are, we have a view of God that, and, and of his people that just isn't accurate and it isn't correct. And the people that Jesus is talking to in in this passage, they're the same way. They had expectations of what Jesus was going to do based on misconceptions or misunderstanding of who God is and what his purposes were. When when, when Jesus tells them uh, that to stay and to wait, their first question isn't about what the gift is. It isn't about what they're to wait for. Their first question is, in verse 6, you can see it says, Lord, are you at this time? going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? So the first question is, is when are you going to come and and set us free from this painful place? When are you going to come and get us out of this Jerusalem? And when are you going to come and rescue us from this? Again, they wanted nothing more than to escape and to get out. And they expected Jesus to come back to kick butt, start taking names, and to establish himself as as king. And now watch how Jesus responds in verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Rather than answering the question and giving them a time frame, he tells them, don't worry about it. Your job. And so the question is, what expectations do you have of God that might be based on misconceptions? Maybe you have dates and times that you're expecting God to do something by. Maybe you expect God to be harsh and cruel towards you because of the sin in your life. Maybe you expect God to be disgusted and repulsed because of what you've done, because of what you've experienced, because of what's happened to you. Wherever you are, whatever your expectations are of God and His purposes, again, do not run. Don't try to escape. Don't try to go back to the old ways of coping that only made things worse. Don't dig in and entrench yourself into your own expectations of what God is and who God is and what he's going to do. What we need to do is to learn to wait for it. And we do that by getting into the Bible, reading the Bible to learn who God is, to learn how he functions We get into the Bible and we do this and we learn to wait while reading the Bible and we learn about how God sees us and how God sees other people. And as we do that, we get a strength and an understanding that begins to bring correction to our misconceptions and to our expectations. We also do it by prayer, learning to wait for it by spending time in prayer. When we do that, we learn to hear his voice. Jesus says, My my sheep, they know my voice. And we know his voice by spending time reading the Bible, by spending time in prayer with him. And we also do this by committing to community. Because in community, we have the opportunity to soften the rough edges of who we are and to add strength and to fill in the gaps of our knowledge of God as we share in in, in community of what God is doing in our different lives. Like, Like the people in this verse Many of us want the things of God to be manifest and fully developed by a single act of power, but the things that God wants to develop in you, through you, and around you happen through a slow and steady process of learning to wait for it, spending time in the Bible, spending time in prayer, and setting aside our expectations and committing to community and allowing that to happen in our lives. Our misconceptions, our regrets, the pains are only cured by time and events with God and with his people. And our best option, if we're in a place of pain, if we're struggling with expectations, if we have trauma from the past, our best option is to wait for it. Now, with all this talk of waiting and the promised gift and all these different things, I think we would really be missing a great opportunity in the middle of springtime if we didn't talk about how amazing and exciting Christmas morning is. Am I right? Man, even as an adult, I love Christmas morning. I get so fired up for it, but not as much as I did when I was a little boy. There was one time I was probably about six or seven years old, and I was so overwhelmed by anticipation and excitement for Christmas morning that on Christmas Eve night, I could hardly sleep. And I would lay in my bed and try to like, force myself to sleep, and then my stomach would go... And I have to jump up and run to the bathroom. It was just too much excitement for my little body to handle. And I would be in the bathroom like, oh my gosh, if I'm awake, Santa won't come. And so I'd hurry and go back to bed and lay down and try to fall asleep and then gurgle. Oh my gosh, I'd run back all night long back and forth. I was just so excited. I was so excited. It was a vicious cycle of excitement and anxiety and running to the toilet and trying to fall asleep. Because I knew, I knew that that next morning, there was a guarantee, a promise of amazing things, of something amazing that was going to happen. And in verse four, Jesus begins to say, uh, "Wait for the gift my father promised." And then he gives us a massive clue of what that gift is, is by saying, "Which you have heard me speak about." Now if we look back on the teachings recorded in the gospel, We know that the gift that Jesus is talking about is the Holy Spirit. And it's just been so cool this morning to hear the different songs that we're singing and different words that are people sharing, uh, that we're sharing about waiting, about relying, about trusting and, and watching as the Holy Spirit does these different things in our lives. And so... If we go to John 14, 24 through 27, I don't have it up there. It's too many, uh, but you can listen to the awesomeness of my voice as I read it. Uh, It says, John 14, verses 25 through 27. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. What Jesus is promising is far greater than any Christmas present, than anything we could ever hope or imagine for. What Jesus is promising is a helper that will stand in our defense when the lies and accusations and and the temptations come flying at us like flaming arrows. He's promising us an advocate that supports us in our struggles, kinda like a cheerleader or like a hyperactive mom or grandma at a son's basketball game, chewing out the refs and chewing out the other team. Not that anybody in here would be that way. But he sends a cheerleader, he sends someone to encourage us, someone to champion for us. When the pains of the past and the troubles of today try to say, you're not good enough. Jesus is promising a defender that says, wrong. This is a child of the king who is deeply loved and powerfully protected. Jesus is promising us a a new way through through the teacher, a new way to be able to think and to process through our emotions. He's promising a new way for us to be able to move forward, how to settle the things of the past and to find new strength And a new spirit, a new power to be able to move forward in life. And when we're overwhelmed, we have no sense of direction. Jesus is promising that there will be a reminder of everything we have heard, read, and witnessed that he's done in our lives. And he doesn't make these promises with an ulterior motive to benefit himself. He's already perfect. In Acts 15.25 it says, And he is not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. And if we can stop trying to escape by our own methods and humbly admit that we might be wrong about how we view God and what our expectations are of following God, and we can learn to wait for it. Jesus is promising something greater in our lives. And so going back to Acts 1 and verse 8, Jesus clarifies the gift of the Holy Spirit and his purpose by saying, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now remember, just a few days ago, these people watched Jesus get tortured, crucified, and die. And now he's standing in front of them, fully alive, eating with them, drinking with them, walking with them. They are face to face with the unimaginable reality of how miraculous this power truly is. And it comes from the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, and that spirit is alive inside of every person that can say, Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit inside of us is a guarantee of incredible, immense power that's not of ourselves, that's not from anything we've done or anything that we've earned, and it's not for for anything for Jesus It's because he loves us and he wants us to overcome. He wants us to not have to constantly go back to the old habits and get into the old ruts. He wants us to be able to grow in our knowledge of who he is. And so he gives us this ability to even worship him. The ability to even say that Jesus is Lord. He gives us this through the the Holy Spirit. Sorry, so I should label these, y'all. Uh, wait for the game, <laughs> do not That's okay, that's done. <laughs> oh, you guys are so patient. Here we go. Okay. Uh, no, wait for the gift. mentioned, Okay. Uh, I think I mixed these up. Oh, here we are. There's that. Okay. Okay. Oh, here we go. There it is. Okay, got it. <laughs> I'm just gonna do that, y'all. Okay. Cool. Now again, Jerusalem is this place of great pain for these guys. But Jesus isn't just telling them to stay in Jerusalem to wait for this power to come to declare what they've seen, what they've do, what he's what they've seen and, and heard Jesus do. He's saying that not only in Jerusalem, but to the ends of the earth, you're going to go and you're going to do this. Not only in the place of pain. So what this is telling us is that Jesus is going to give us power that is greater than the pain. And it's going to heal you more than you ever expected. It's going to change your life more than you thought possible. And it's going to take you farther than you ever dreamed. If we can learn to wait for it. He's going to take these most painful parts and use them in miraculous ways. And this is everything. Everything that we've been waiting for. Ever since Adam and Eve Hurled us into chaos and sin came into the world. This is everything that we've been waiting for. The power, the ability to be able to completely and totally heal and forgive sin. It says in Psalm 103 that he has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. That means it's not there anymore. It's gone. That's this power that we're talking about. That is what we have available to help us to manage and to deal and to overcome the Jerusalem in our lives. And to help us through our misconceptions of who God is and what his purposes are. So don't give up. Don't give in. Wait for it and watch as miracles happen. The cool part about this is if you jump ahead to Acts 2, which we won't get into, um, but in Acts 2 it says that um, in Jerusalem at the time that there were God-fearing Jews from every nation. And when this great power hit them and the Holy Spirit came like a rushing wind, Peter stands up and begins to teach and to preach about Jesus. And as he does that, 3,000 people are saved from sin. 3,000 people are redeemed. 3,000 people become sons and daughters of God because they waited for it. Rather than escaping and going back to their small little life and a small little hometown of familiarity and, and doing things that they used to do to handle the pain and the stress and what was going on in their lives, they waited for the Holy Spirit to show up. And when they did, it didn't just impact Jerusalem. There were people from all over the world there at the time that heard about Jesus. And so if we can learn to wait for it, God is going to do incredible things in us and through us and around us. Now, the last thing we're going to look at, and then we'll do a fun little uh, thing here with, with Brandon. He volunteered uh, joyfully to help Um last thing we're going to look at as we wrap up is in Acts 1, 12 through 14. And it says, uh, the, uh, I think we just have the one verse up there, which is fine. I'm going to read it because it's really cool to see the names. Uh, the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter. John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus, Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. Now this is it, in verse fourteen. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the men, or sorry, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So, after Jesus says to wait in Jerusalem, and before the three thousand people get saved. They are joined together, constantly in prayer. When we are waiting for God to do something in our lives, in our Jerusalem, with our misconceptions, whatever, we are not meant to wait alone. In my own life, I've struggled with morbid thoughts, dark thoughts about not wanting to be alive. And when I was younger, they were even more violent, where I wanted to end my life. And I would have seen little to no breakthrough in my life if it wasn't for the people that God put around me. I used to try to hide these thoughts and try to hide these feelings, and I would try to suppress them, right? Because I was so afraid that if anybody found out, I would be disqualified, and I would forfeit my chances to be used by God. But the truth is that in concealing trying to hide, trying to handle it on my own. I was rendered almost useless. I couldn't do much because I was so busy trying to cope with this and and I had different things that I could do and and the best that I could come up with was just to keep my head above water for maybe a month or two before I got dragged back down into the darkness. And it wasn't until I opened up to my pastor and to other people in my life that I was able to fully see The healing power of God and his ability to restore the love and the support and the encouragement that I had through that came from the Holy Spirit and miraculously brought transformation in my life. And it could not have done it on my own. I'm convinced that me, you, us, we will see little to no breakthrough if we try to wait on our own. And without joining together and constantly uh, constantly in prayer to share the burden, uh, we will be crushed entirely. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to do a real-life illustration of what this looks like. So Brandon, go ahead and come on up, and I'll get this little basket. Yeah, Brandon, give him a hand, everybody. Brandon Brandon, the tree trimmer. Okay, so Brandon, this this basket, go ahead and hold it, there you go, Uh, underneath there, there you go, perfect, yeah. All right, this basket represents your life, okay? And so... Uh, no, 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 lift it up. <laughs> hey, we're not doing that. That's an option, but we're not going to do that. <laughs> so this represents just the normal day-to-day things of life, waking up, going to sleep, eating, working, different stuff. So that's just the normal weight of life. You got it? You, you can handle that? Okay, good. Awesome. Well, as you're going about your time, your day-to-day stuff, uh, you're, you're trying to get to work and your motor blows out and you have no car now. Okay, so that's pretty heavy. You, you okay, though? All right, awesome. <clears throat> well, now that your car is broken down and it's, it's uh, totally useless and the engine's blown out, your boss pulls you into his office and says that he has to let you go. You got that? You okay? Okay, cool. Well, as you're driving, well, not driving, as you're walking home, hitching a ride home, you're reminded of that thing that happened to you when you were a little kid. You got it? You good? You're reminded of that stuff that happened to you. And then as you're going, you're a lot stronger than Jenna. I know. I'm just saying. Here, try holding underneath it because it's supposed to look heavy. (laughs) You're too strong. Okay. (laughs) And then, as you as you're driving, remember that thing. And then, (laughs) you're too strong, Brandon. And then, as you're going about your day, you remember that that nobody likes you, and that nobody wants you around, and that you'd be probably better off far, far away. And then, best of all. Best of all, God doesn't like you either, Brandon. Yeah, that's heavy. So how long, how long do you think you can stay up under that weight? And then guess what? More things are going to keep coming, right? So what we need is we need people to come and to help us under this weight. So, so uh, 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 our James, J, J, not J, Jacobson, what's your name? James, that's right, I almost said Jason. So Jason, or uh, James, come and help him hold up the, under this weight. Lift it up for him. Brandon, tell me, does this help a little bit? All right, Jenna, come and help. We need some more help up here. So do you think you can wait longer with this? Okay, awesome. Holden, so it's getting lighter, but when we start to join together with God's people, God sends in the big guns, right? (laughs) And the more people that are there, go ahead and stand in here and lift us up. Help us out, Holden. Now watch, watch what happens. Brandon, how are you feeling? Do you think you can handle it a little bit longer there? What is so cool about this is that it doesn't stay this way. As we connect with God's people and trust, God begins to move these different things that just aren't true, the misconception that God doesn't like you, that nobody wants you around. He begins to remove the lies and heal the pain of the past, the different things that you experience. He begins to remove those from you. And as a matter of fact, even as you go, things like broken down cars and things like uh, getting fired and things like, you know, stubbing your toe and even sometimes just the normal day-to-day mundane aspect of life, begins to get relieved. You guys sit down. Thank you. And so we are seeing this happen in our church all over the place. We're seeing people joining together constantly in prayer to share each other's burdens. And we're seeing miraculous power move through the people in our church As God is transforming our lives, if we look where we were at three, four, five years ago, we can see that this is what God is doing. All throughout our church, in L3, transformation is taking place because people are joining together constantly in prayer. In our women's groups, in our men's retreat, in our community groups, At rooted everywhere that God is gathering and His people are gathering, the Holy Spirit is moving and creating opportunities for transformation to take place as we constantly join together in prayer. Old habits, ways of viewing the world and God and people around us are changing. Things from the past that this is how they, these things go. This is how it's going to unfold. Jesus is rewriting. The Holy Spirit is giving us the power to be able to move forward in a new way that is different. And giving us that gift of the Holy Spirit to turn something incredible out of the pain, out of the hardship, out of the misconception, and that shows just how amazing the love of God is. And so wherever you are today, whatever it is you're carrying, whatever misconception you might be entrenched in, don't run, don't escape, but wait for it. Get plugged into a group. Find somewhere where you can join together and be constantly in prayer and watch as the Holy Spirit moves in your life and miraculous transformation takes place. Jesus, I thank you so much for the gift of the Holy Spirit, for giving us this power to be able to overcome the dark thoughts, to be able to overcome the things that we've struggled with. God, I thank you so much that because of the people you've placed in my life and because of the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, I no longer have those thoughts. You've taken that away. You've transformed me, and I thank you so much for that. And God, I thank you for what you're doing in our church, through our church and around us. We trust you. We believe in you. And Lord, I pray for any person here today who is struggling with a Jerusalem-type pain, anyone who who is... Entrenched in a misconception about who you are, who they are, who the people in their lives are. I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring revelation, bring truth, bring healing, and you would redeem these broken, painful parts of our lives. We look forward to the transformation, God, the miraculous transformation that that is gonna take place. And we thank you for all the miracles and all the transformation that has already occurred. And God, it gives us faith and hope and confidence that you're not done yet. I thank you so much my brothers and my sisters. And I thank you, Jesus, for, for all that you're doing. In your name we pray, amen.